listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. It started out rainy this morning. I thought, my goodness, we've been going to get all the rain we've been lacking all in one morning, but we're thankful for it and glad it cleared up so that everybody could come. Listen, if you're first time with us, uh, see some faces, some new faces, doesn't mean that you hadn't been here before, but if it is your first time or if you have never turned in one of the connection cards and got your special little blue bag. I would encourage you right there on the back wall. Uh, there, Both sides of the wall are a connection card. You can fill out. Give us just a little bit of information so that we can send you some stuff about what we're doing and different events and things of that nature. And if you'll take that card and you'll hand it to the person with the offering plate going out that door, they've got a little blue swag bag they'd like to give you with some knickknacks and whatnot in it that will tell you a little bit about us. And also be a reminder to come back and be with us every time you have a chance because we do this every week. So we want you to come back if it resonates with you today. And uh, and I just want to tell you, there's no smoke and mirrors. What you see is what you get right here. And if that makes sense, then come back and be with us. We'll just keep doing that together. When you're reading the scripture, I wonder if there's ever been a time in your life where you had an aha moment. Whereas you're reading something, you go, wait a minute, I didn't realize and that, and it's aha, we have it all the time. You know, we see, and it, it, they, they plant those things in movies. You'll be watching the movie, you're, you're an hour and a half into the two-hour movie, and then all of a sudden, they'll make a twist, and you'll go, oh, he's not the bad guy, he's the good guy, or vice versa. Aha moments. We love them. They're exciting. When we come to Daniel chapter number 9, we get to look over the shoulder of this very wise individual. He's an old guy now. He's been walking with the Lord for years. But we get to look over his shoulder as he has this aha moment. This, oh my goodness, will you look at this? This is so exciting. We get to look over his shoulder and then we get to see how he responds to this aha moment, and hopefully by the time we get done today, we'll discover why he responds the way he does. But I'll invite you, turn to Jan- Daniel chapter number 9. If you have the Oasis Church app, then it's on the, the notes under the Sunday tab. I, I mean, encourage you, if you don't have the church app, it's a great way to stay plugged in. You can follow the notes, and from time to time, I follow the notes. So maybe that will be a help to you. Uh, and also to give you some more information about us and, and, and how you can learn uh, about what we do around here. Daniel chapter number 9. If it's all right, I'd just like to read the first 19 verses start to finish, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about some of the things that we discover here. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books The number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord God and made I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, "O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned aside from your commandments and rules." We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery they have committed against you. 
To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. The curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his works which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, and your holy hill, because for our sin and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're following the book of Daniel. And the first six chapters of the book of Daniel were easy to follow. It's the story of the life of Daniel and his three buddies that were taken captive out of Israel and brought to Babylon. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But y'all know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, Daniel also had another name. His name was Belteshazzar, but we all know him as Daniel. And these four, among others, that were brought into captivity, the first six chapters shows us how that even though God was dealing harshly with his people Judah, he was showing favor to those that were willing to continue to follow God faithfully. And then we get to chapter number 7, and things start getting weird. We'd seen hints of weirdness in the visions that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had had, images that were, that were so tall and made out of multiple metals and a stone not cut by hands and crashing down and mountains growing and kingdoms of the earth. We saw that. We saw visions of, of beasts and things of that nature, and it gets weird when we're trying to figure out what do these prophecies mean and how are we to understand that. And so we're wading through the book of Daniel. We come to Daniel chapter number 9, we see Daniel doing some Bible study. Somehow, Daniel has gotten a copy of the scroll or a copy of some material written by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah would have been an old man in 605 B.C. when Babylon came into Judah and began the process of overpowering Judah and bringing people into captivity. Jeremiah would have been around and would have been a significantly older man. Daniel was a young man. And so about 70 years from where Daniel is standing and reading, Jeremiah had written some words. 
And I don't know how Daniel got a copy of this. I, I would have thought that many of those works of the temple, those scrolls would have been burnt up and no, like, no, no doubt many of them were. But it seems as though, as we study some of the other passages of the Old Testament, that Jeremiah had contact with the people in exile while he's here in Jerusalem. And and he's also in, in hiding, some by his own accord and some not. He's trying to communicate with those that are in exile. At one point, it seems that he wrote a letter to them to encourage those that were in Babylon as well as some things that he had written just prior to Nebuchadnezzar's arrival, Daniel has found a copy of this, has come to him, and now he's reading it. We think what he is reading is in Jeremiah chapter number 25 and or Jeremiah chapter number 29. Now, Jeremiah 25 would have been written prior to the captivity of Judah by Babylon. Jeremiah 29 would have been written in the early years of the captivity. Bottom line, they both say something similar. Seventy years prior to to Daniel's reading this, Jeremiah wrote in chapter number 25, verse number uh, 11 and 12, he said, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste. These events had not happened yet. But they were coming. The the, the armies were gathering. God's judgment was filling up in the cup. And it was about to reach the top and spill over. And Jeremiah is saying, God's judgment is coming. And this whole land is going to become a ruin and a waste. And these nations, talking about not only Israel, Judah, and all, all the other nations around. These nations are going to serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So before Babylon ever showed up. God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah and said, Look, this land that you're living in is going to become desolate and you're going to serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Unfortunately, the priests and and those that were in charge were, were ignorant or were ignoring what God said. Basically, ears or fingers in their ears and la, 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 we're not hearing what you're saying. So they weren't paying attention. Next thing you know, Nebuchadnezzar comes knocking. He says, this land is going to stay desolate for 70 years. Then after 70 years are complete, I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So I'm going to, I'm going to punish you through Babylon for 70 years. And when the 70 years is over, I'm going to punish Babylon. They had this before they ever were captive by the Babylonians. They ignored it. They didn't pay any attention to it. They weren't listening to the word of the Lord. And then Jeremiah, once the, the, the siege had taken place or had begun to take place, he's writing to those in exile in Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11. He basically says the same thing. Hey, how are you doing? I want to check on y'all. Understand this. Thus saith the Lord. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to the place. So early on in the captivity, they get a letter from Jeremiah that says, hey, in 70 years, you can come home. Well, great. I'm already 30. In 70 years, I'll be dead. For whatever reason, this message had not gotten back to Daniel, it seems. Well, Daniel had a lot on his plate. He was serving in the king's court. He was doing a lot of things. And this word from the Lord apparently never got to him. So Daniel is discovering in God's word what God's plan was for the people that had been written years before. He's having an aha moment. He's going, wait a minute. 70 years, 605, and he's starting to count. He's like, whoa, 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 we're like 65 to 67 years away from when this was re- This is coming to a close sometime really soon. Those are passages that you might not be familiar with. The one I know you're familiar with is verse number 11. Everybody knows verse number 11 of chapter 29 of Jeremiah. It might even be on a little picture hanging up in your cubicle. It might be in your home. We love this verse because it says, 
I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Not for uh, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Not for trouble, but for glory. And we put that up on our wall and we're like, God knows it. God's got his plans. It's not for me to be difficult. It's going to be for glory and blessing. Guess what? That was a message that came at the beginning of a 70-year trial. So be encouraged with this. The next time you look at that verse, God's saying, I know the plans I have for you. Know this. He does. And guess what? His plans for you are to bless you and not to harm you. But you might have to wait till you see him to experience those blessings. So, amen. Let's get excited about that, right? Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, be, be encouraged. I'll be back in 70 years. Okay. We got that all over the place, not realizing when it was written and to who and why. That's encouraging. But Daniel's having a, he's, maybe these scrolls crossed his desk for the first time. Or maybe he's been working through the scroll of Jeremiah and found that little copy of a letter tucked in the scroll. So I don't know how, but I do know that he's reading this and has a, aha, I perceived, wait a minute, this is a timed thing. This is not for, oh, this has a beginning and an end. And we're really close to the end. In this letter that Jeremiah wrote, that, that we have as chapter 29 of our book of Jeremiah, verse number 12 says this. Then, after the 70 years is over, I, I, I'm going to move about in my process of restoring my people and dealing with Babylon. But, but when that all starts to happen, then... You will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I'll hear you. There's some things that God was going to. There's an alarm clock that's going to go off in glory. Okay, timer's up like on your dish in the oven as it's cooking, and you're waiting. And our, our, our kids hear the, the, the timer go off, and, and my wife has gotten, you know, where she just goes ahead and lets it ring for a little while. And then she'll say, your timer's going off, Mom. And I mean, within seconds, she'll go, your timer's going off, Mom. She'll say, I know, I get it. So the timer's gone off. The cooking is over. It's time to go get it, pull it out. So there's a thing that God's going to do as a part of his plan. But there's a response that God gives to his people. So that, so that when the time is up and these things begin to change, there's a responsibility for you and I of God's people, or specifically for the people of Judah, the, the, the chosen people out of Jacob, those that were still left in the land, the, the nation of Israel's done been cap, taken captive and been scattered all over the place. But these that remain, there's a responsibility for them because there's still things God's going to do through them. He says, your responsibilities, when you start seeing these tides change and me start to work, your responsibility is to get on board with what I'm doing and being on board is through a heart of brokenness and repentance. Can we just jump out of the Old Testament just for a second? Can we do that without throwing a real big curveball? So we get over into the New Testament. You remember when, when Jesus was just about to come on the scene and there was a fellow with long hair and a crazy outfit and belt and ate grasshoppers. Okay, he was living out in the wilderness. Remember, he jumped up on a rock and said, Hey, everybody get ready. God's about to do something. And your responsibility is to what? It's an R word, you remember? Repent. And that fellow would bring folks down in the river there that run, run down the center of, uh, of Palestine. They called it the Jordan. He would baptize them in identification with this repentance. Why? Because God was about to do something. Tides were changing, and the way you could get ready to be on, on, on board with God is to repent and be on the same page with God. These things are starting to click off in Daniel's mind because now he's reading. He's in, in, in Jeremiah 29 or 25, probably 29. He's going, okay, 70 years. I know that. Things are coming up, and then God says through the prophet, then when you see these things start to happen, what are you going to do? You're going to hit your knees, and you're going to get on board with what God's doing, recognizing your part and why all this happened, 
and get it right before him so that you might walk with him into what he's doing. And Daniel starts looking around going, I got to move some stuff out of the way because I got to spend some time in prayer. That clock, I can... I hear the timer, Lord. The timer's going off. And I know our responsibility is to get right. Our responsibility is to hit our knees. That makes sense? That's what he does. He's got a history of this. In his mind, he goes back to the, the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. In those two books, Daniel remembers having grown up in the synagogues, having been taught, maybe even has memorized a lot of this Torah. And he's remembering when God, through Moses, made these declarations. And God says, when you go into the promised land, you're going to have an opportunity to either obey me or to disobey me. If you obey me, then I'm going to be delighted to bless you and to allow you to flourish and for you to experience all kinds of of easy walking. I would love to just pour out my blessing and let you, in obedience to me, show the rest of the world what it looks like to be in right relationship with God. But... If you get into that land and decide to follow after the practices and the idols of the people who live there, you turn your back on me, you stop serving me, you begin to reject me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring all kinds of curses and difficulty on you, not because I hate you, not because I'm mad at you, but to make you understand you can't go against me and to bring you back into right relationship with me. And when you start feeling those pains and recognizing, wait, a minute. This is because of my disobedience. He said in Leviticus chapter number 26 verses 39 through 42, when you hit your knees and you begin to call out to me, I'm going to hear you and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to restore you and I'm going to stand you back up and dust you off and move you forward. These things are clicking off in Daniel's mind. He's like, God's doing something. I know my responsibility. God's brought down these curses on us and I know what I need to do is to get down on my knees and intercede for the people. And that's what we hear in the prayer. Daniel's discovery is, it's it's about over. Now, we're going to discover next week, it's not about over. There's going to be more to come. It's not going to be smooth sailing from here on out. But the first part of this plan of God is about to be over and they're about to move into the second phase and they can walk with God if they will just simply get right with God, seeing what he's doing. So he begins to pray. And what we discover in verse number three is that Daniel fully orchestrates the details of his prayerful response By physically turning himself toward God, through fasting, and by wearing sackcloth and ashes. Verse number three. I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You remember back in, was it Daniel chapter number six, I believe it is, when uh, Daniel was placed into the, the lines? Wasn't that six or five? I forget. I get lost in the chapters. When, 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 the, when the guys that were his equal were trying to move Daniel out of the way and they couldn't find anything wrong with his character, they decided they were going to find a way for him to be caught in the things of his God. And so what did they do? They talked the king into putting out an edict that anybody praying to anybody other than you, O king, for 30 days be throwing the lines down. Why? Because they knew Daniel prayed to his God three times a day. It tells us in that chapter that he opened the window that looked out in the direction of Jerusalem. Why was he doing that? Because physically he wanted to order himself according to to the place that, that had God's name written all over it. Daniel would have understood, would have believed that the entire creation belonged to God. 
Daniel would have believed that there wouldn't be a piece of dirt he'd step on that didn't belong and wasn't created by the God he served. But there was something connected to the covenant of God's promise associated with Jerusalem. And so he would open that window and while he was hundreds of miles away, he would point himself toward the promises of God that he knew were certain and unalterable. And while I might not be where I want to be, I know God is doing what he's doing. Even in the, even in the smoke that I'm seeing of the flames, that doesn't matter. God's promises are attacked. I'm going to pray to him. Now he's looking and going, the time is about right. And I think when he turns his face to the Lord, I, I believe that not only is it figurative, and in my heart I'm turning myself toward God, but I think physically he turned himself toward Jerusalem, hit his knees. And began to respond in obedience to God's word. In obedience to God's plan. It says that he exercised fasting. You read the books. You see all kinds of books about how to fast. When to fast. What to fast. And all, you know, what time of year. And some churches do time. Listen. Fasting is one of those things that you're not going to find a how-to or best practices of fasting. The bottom line is what fasting is, is an opportunity for human beings to orchestrate their life around their desire to walk more closely with God. The fast is saying, I might want this or I might even need this, but I'm going to deny this in order to focus my attention on my Lord and my walk with Him. Maybe fasting is for food. Maybe fasting is an activity that you enjoy. Maybe fasting is, is some type of time that you like to fill with, with something that is mind-numbing. That you go, I'm not going to watch TV tonight. I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to spend that time talking to my God. I'm going to fast what I want, sometimes what I need. Because I know what he wants and I know what I need from him is more important than all that. So I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross, if you will, and walk with him. Daniel, how much did he fast? I don't know. Maybe a meal. Maybe he didn't eat all day. Maybe this was so enrapturing to him. He's discovering this is almost over and we've got a responsibility. Maybe he said, no, don't bring me anything. Don't knock on this door. You keep it closed. Don't bother me. I've got business to do. There's a whole lot of prayer going on right here. In fact, we probably read more prayer than many of us like to actually say at one time. Daniel's serious about this and he's saying no to himself. And he's putting on sackcloth and ashes. Now, we don't have sack. I'd be willing to bet you don't have sackcloth hanging in your, in your closet. And I'm not saying that you're supposed to go take the itchy sweater out of the closet and go, okay, I'm in Florida. It's 1,000 degrees. I'm going to put the itchy sweater on with not an undershirt so that I can be all itchy because that's the sackcloth. No, that's what the aesthetics did. The monasteries where they would go and they would wear goofy clothes that were itchy and scratchy and they would walk around and they would not wear shoes so their feet would hurt. That's not what God wants. What they would do though in the sackcloth, it was a visible display of I am mourning or I am repenting or I am very serious about what's going on and they would put ashes on them as a physical display. Look what Daniel's doing. This is so important to him. That he's pulling out all the stops. He's getting everything out of the way. Just him and God. Because God's doing something and I want us to be right with him. And I've got business to do with him on behalf of all of us. Look what the prayer consisted of. It consisted of praise. It consisted of confession. It consisted of petition. All structured around and according to God's Word through His law, as it states in the law, and through the prophets, as we were told. Ignored then, but hearing now. We're not going to go through all of these, but I want you to recognize some of these things that He said to God and about God. In His praise, notice He said, You, God, are good and awesome. 
You, God, keep your covenants. You keep your word. You, God, in your love, you are faithful. You never stop loving us. You, God, remain righteous even when all of your creation has turned against you. You, God, are merciful and forgiving. You, God, keep your word even when keeping your word is bringing about calamity on your people that you promised in their disobedience. You, God, judged rightly. People see how you're dealing with us and they're saying, how can that God be good? And they're always going to be wrong because your judgments are always right. What we get, we deserve. And you, God, also deliver your people. You split the sea so I can walk right through it. A little nod back to, hey, God. You're, you're known for bringing your folks out of foreign lands. I hear tell 70 years from now or 70 years after, you're going to do it again. Well, what, two, three years? That's exactly what's going to happen because king over there from Persia by the name of Cyrus is going to make a decree and he's going to say, anybody from uh, the whole Palestinian area, any y'all want to go back home? I'll go back home. And God's going to bring about that return. You deliver your people. That's who you are, God. I'm praising you. I'm pouring out myself. I'm coming to the God that doesn't change. I'm coming to the God that that continues to love. And even when he wears us out, he remains faithful to the things that he promised. And then he made some confessions. What did he say? We've sinned, we've done wrong, we've acted wickedly, we've rebelled, we've turned from and transgressed God's law. We've not listened to God's prophets, we've not obeyed the voice of the Lord. We've disobeyed, we've sinned, we've acted evil, we've acted wicked. The kind of stuff that'll get you put in jail. That's the kind of attitudes that we've got, God, at every turn. It seems we've chosen the wrong way on purpose every time, over and over and over again. Because Daniel knew when it came time for God to move, it was about getting right with him so that you might walk with him into whatever he's doing next. And then lastly, starting in verse number 16, he begins his petition He starts saying things like, we need your anger to turn from us. We need your face to shine on us. We need your ears to hear us, your eyes to see us, your forgiveness, your action. We need you not to delay, Lord. And while I'm putting the us in there, I want to make it real plain to you. What Daniel was saying is not deliver me from my difficulty. Don't deliver us that are here from our troubles. What we're wanting you to do is to turn your face in favor and blessing on Jerusalem that is burnt down and destroyed. You say, why is he more concerned about Jerusalem than he is about his own stuff? I'm going to tell you why. They're still waiting on a particular individual to show up who's going to bring about the blessing that they want, but they don't want that blessing offhanded. They want it the way God's planned. And who is that individual they're waiting on? They're waiting on Messiah. And where is Messiah going to come from? He's going to come from that heap of rubble that's on fire and that everybody's run away from. God, what I'm asking you to do is turn your face toward your city, toward your temple, toward those things that you have identified as the place from which that one is going to come. Because we know when he comes, all the rest of this is going to be taken care of. They were more, Daniel was more intent on God fulfilling his plan than he was about his own comfort. There's a place we could land right there. Do we go to God more often over our own comfort or for His purpose to be fulfilled in us regardless of how that feels? 
Well, see, I know what I come to God with more often, so I figure chances are great you're in the same boat as I am. But Daniel was showing us how it looks to be more interested in God's plan than on our creature comforts. I'm begging you, God. Do what you do so that you can bring about what you're going to bring about because that's what I want more than anything. He continued to say, for your sake, for your glory, for your great name. Daniel's prayer was both humble and contrite. It was both earnest and rooted in God's covenant promises. Daniel's on his face, sitting in the ashes, feeling the, the, the roughness of the sackcloth against his body. He's praying out. He's crying out to God, calling God who he is, praising him for what he's always done and always will be, and confessing the ongoing, seemingly never-ending supply of sin that we bring to the table. God, bring about your forgiveness and continue your purpose and don't let us get in the way Daniel had an aha moment that led him to his knees in response to God's word to get right with God on behalf of his people so we see Daniel's discovery Daniel's prayer lastly I believe that we see in Daniel Jesus again foreshadowed as we go back to the lion's den, I think we saw a picture of, of the, 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 the Messiah to come who also was going to go into death for no wrong of his own. But where Daniel was, was allowed to avoid death when it should have eaten him up, we know our Savior went into death and defeated it. So when those that came to his place early in the morning didn't discover that, oh, death has not overwhelmed you, those folks came and found that not only had death taken Jesus, but he had overwhelmed death and gotten up. We see in Daniel in the lion's den a picture of Christ. I think we see the same thing here. What is it that Daniel does? Do you recognize, and I tried to emphasize it as I read, over 20 times, Daniel, in his prayer of confession, said, We, us, our, in reference to the people's sin. And while Daniel, we know, was not a sinless individual at all, the character that he represents in this story is one who is blameless. When everybody else was turning their back on God and grumbling and complaining, just joining in the program, Daniel and his three friends were the ones that were remaining faithful. At every turn, others were bowing, they were standing. Others were eating, they were denying. Others were not praying, he was praying, no matter the consequence. We see time and time again, Daniel and his three friends represent at least characters that were blameless while not sinless. So at the very least, we're watching Daniel confess a heart attitude of sin that he really didn't possess, it seems, by the, the way the text is laid. It's not that he wasn't sinful. It's not that he didn't have sin to confess. But as a whole, Daniel was wanting to follow God while all the rest of his people were turned against him. But Daniel prays, not as a victim, Daniel sees sin in the land, and he doesn't say, God, they need your forgiveness. Boy, they are sure transgressing you. No, he said, we. Daniel identified himself with the sin of his people. Daniel took upon himself the guilt of his people and, and confessed and shared in their need for confession. 2 Corinthians chapter number... 5, verse number 21, Paul tells us about one who, for our sake, was made to be sin. Not of his own. No, he was made to be sin for our sake. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Daniel 
is hitting his knees. And he's identifying himself with his faithless, sinful people. Seeking God's forgiveness. The one greater than Daniel was going to come completely sinless. And was going to become the one on whom the Lord has laid all of our iniquities. Piling all of our sin, not just identifying with us, but becoming sin so that he might pay for that sin and guarantee our forgiveness. You see, 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. Through his wounds we are healed. I believe in physical healing. And I believe that ultimately we will experience physical healing. And from time to time, God can choose to, in His grace, give us temporary relief from things we suffer from in this life. But that verse right there is talking about the healing that we're going to get from the brokenness that is ours from sin through the blood of the one that came and took on our iniquity. That healing, that verse is not about me not experiencing the sickness or getting deliverance from the cancer for a little while only to be taken by the car accident or something else in my life that's about having total and complete restoration and healing and I'll take that any day over a little less sickness in the body amen He bore our sin so that we might die to it and live in his righteousness Daniel's given us a picture of intercessory confession of one that's going to come and not just confess, he's going to intercede and become our sin so that we might be set free. How awesome is that? Jesus participated with humanity, becoming one of us and walking sinless, but he walked under the curse. He experienced sickness and pain and difficulty. Jesus took our sin on himself. And did more than confess, he paid for those sins with his own blood. Through his death and specifically by his resurrection, Jesus provides full restoration from what sin has broken. See, the the people of God were looking forward to a kingdom that was going to come about through Messiah. But all their life, they were expecting a human military leader to bring about human military and financial comfort. I had no idea that what God was planning was to bring about a Messiah who wasn't going to be the military leader, but was going to destroy the very thing that brings about all human suffering. And then when he comes back, well, then he's going to order all the other stuff. And Daniel's just on his knees going, God, I don't, I don't know what all you're doing, but I, I, I know what you said. And I know what you've required. I'm going to do that. And so right there by himself, you know what he was doing while everybody else was out doing their thing? Planting, partying, having supper on a trip. Daniel was on his knees crying out for the restoration of his people so that we might be able to walk with you faithfully. And you know what? I believe God heard his prayer. The reason I believe God heard his prayers is because we're going to find out next week that he said he did. And he brought him some information that he did not yet know. And we, quite frankly, don't altogether understand. But we're going to deal with that next week. What are some ways that we can respond today? As we've seen what Daniel has done. He's looked over his shoulder. We have. And we've seen him have a... Aha moment that led him to intercede on behalf of his people in order to be right with God so that God's plan might be fully fleshed out and lived in them. How do we respond? Well, first of all, I think we need to, as followers of Jesus, also looking for the Messiah, just on the other side of what they were waiting on. We're waiting on him to come back as the returning king. Or maybe what we're doing is we're looking for him the way they were looking for him, but in the right way. What do we do? We need to look to and trust God's Word. You can't look to God's Word. You can't trust God's Word if you're not in God's Word. Say, you're going to say that every week? 
have you been in God's Word all week? Well, yeah, I guess we are, right? We're just going to keep saying it till we get into the habit of doing it. And then we're going to keep saying it even when we're in the habit so that we don't fall off the wagon. If you're going to look to God's Word and you're going to trust God's Word, you've got to be in God's Word. And when you do, then you can begin to evaluate life through the lens of what God's Word says rather than evaluating God's Word by what you see going on. There's a lot of that going on. What we, what we could be doing is getting up and seeing the same things going on in life and going, wait, 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 wait. I see all of that, but, but I, I remember because I've been in God's Word, I remember that followers of Jesus don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So I'm going to open these pages and I'm going to say, okay, Lord, teach me what it is you're saying why it is you're saying it, and then how I can apply that to my life, because this is what helps me evaluate that, not the other way around. I think that's what Daniel was doing. He opened up the books, and he went, oh, this tells me what's going on here. We can do that today. Number two, I think we can respond by intentionally and regularly submitting to God in prayer as we engage God's Word. We need to be in God's Word, but here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to move beyond just reading God's Word and putting that down, going, boy, that was awesome, and posting about it. Let's take a few minutes to go, God, I've just heard from you. I don't understand what I just read, God. There's some things I do, and I won't put that to practice, and I need your help. There's things I don't understand, so help, help me to know what I can know. Help me to trust what I don't. God, I, I, want you to, I don't want to just know the facts. I just want, I want to just know memory verses. I, I want you to impact me, and I want this to change me. And I think that comes through intentional and regular submitting to Him on the basis of what we've read. I think that we can take a lesson from Daniel. Number three. And this needs to happen way more often than it does. We need to confess and turn from our sin. Because our sin is getting in the way. It's hindering us from walking in obedience. And it's not that we don't know what our sin is. We know it. We just need to be honest about it. Confess it. And turn from it, knowing that when we humbly come before Him, contrite, broken, wanting forgiveness, and wanting to walk His way, we know that He's faithful. He's just. He will forgive us. Stand us up. Dust us off. Wipe the tear out. Now let's keep going. Every day. We could be confessing our sin and walking with Him in right relationship. What sin's in the way in your life? You hear it, you want to follow it, but you just can't because there's that big thing in the way. Confess it. Let God remove it so that you can follow Him. And then lastly, and this is kind of a, this is a high bar ask, Okay. <laughs> But as we look at what Daniel did, I, I, I want to suggest that we can respond by being broken by the sin that is in the church. W would you agree that there is sin happening in the body of Christ citywide, statewide, nationwide, worldwide? Are, are there places where the body of Christ is simply just not following God's Word? Well, we all see it and we all recognize it, but I want to offer a challenge, and that is that in your brokenness of what you see, that you consider interceding with confession as a we, us, and our. Rather than falling into the trap of talking about what they are doing, but I am not, I want to recommend that we recognize that if they are, they are a finger on the body that we're a part of that is broken and hurting. And one way we can walk in that direction with them is through confession that we own along with them. Now, that's going to be a challenge. 
Pastor Kevin, I didn't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm not believing that. Yep. But some of the body is. What would it look like if we got on our knees and confessed that sin and asked God to change our heart? Ask Him to change our understanding so that we might all walk more faithfully with Him. And then in parentheses, I say, maybe one day of intercessory fasting. Not all the meals, not all the hours, but what would it look like if just us, you know, 80 folks decided to just say, I'm going to say no to this, God, just so that I can come before you on behalf of the body of Christ of which I am a part of. And I just want to confess our sin and ask that you would bring about forgiveness and wholeness. To you think God's going to hear that? He says it over and over. When you come and you humble yourself, I'll hear you. Pastor Kevin, can't we pray for our nation? Shouldn't we pray for our Yeah, we should. And we can. And I would encourage you to. But remember, the U.S. ain't Israel. So don't expect that God's got to heal the U.S. He might just stomp us flat, and that's okay. Because it ain't about the U.S. It's about our king. Amen? So, did you learn something out of Daniel today? Hope so. Let's stand together. Let's go put it to practice. Because this is the pet rally. Out there is the game. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant, Daniel. We look forward to meeting him one day. Not because he earns any glory. I just want to find out if he laid on one of those lines that night. We want to thank him for being faithful. For being a great example. For just trusting you. Ultimately, we want to worship your son, our king. Who is the greater Daniel. The greater David. The greater Solomon. He's the ultimate. Incomparable. God, he's returning and we believe it. You've told us some things about that that we're going to get into next week. We're not going to understand it all, but we believe he's coming. And we ask that you will help us to be faithful in the area that you've put us so that we might be uh, uh, useful vessels in your hands, good ambassadors of your son, so that they might see his love, they might see his life in us. And then God, give us the courage to intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters who are just like us, God, we confess our sin. We know that the church worldwide is not, uh, is not following you as we could. And I pray that you will encourage each one of us that are here today, maybe watching online, to spend a little time this week talking to you about the things that we see, calling it what it is, and asking you to change us by your power. And we believe you can. I God, I ask that you will meet us wherever we're at with whatever needs we have, that you'll encourage us and you'll use us this week. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to do life together with these people. Thank you for your grace that we have in them. We ask that you'll use us according to your will. We love you. We thank you. We look forward to the return of your son, our Savior, our King. It's in his name, Jesus, that all of our church said.